<laughs> Sorry, bunch. Um, hi, everyone. Um, isn't God good? What an amazing time of worship. Amen. Um, I have a small sort of a thought for you today that I wanted to talk to you about. It's in the book of Esther, uh, chapter four. And uh, when you have it, if you can please say amen. I want to I want to pray again at the end of service. Um, I, I still feel like God wants to do some more. And uh, so when you have it, if you can say amen. Esther chapter 4. Amen. So yes, Esther chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read in verse 10. So when you have it, let me know, please. I just want to make sure we all are there. Amen? All right. Well, it's going to be on the screen as well. Um, I'm reading the New King James Version. So let's go ahead and read. We're going to read Esther chapter 4, verse 10 through verse 14. The Bible says, Then Esther spoke to Hothak and gave him a command for Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces Know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king or inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask that you speak to us today, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank that that you're here, that you're with us always, and you never leave us, God. We want to put our trust in you. We love you. We believe, Lord, that you are real. Speak to us this afternoon. Open the hearts. Open the minds and the spirits, Lord. Let me be your vessel this afternoon, God. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I know that most of you, or a lot of you, I should say, have heard the story of Esther. Amen. Um, and Esther, if you didn't know, um, I forget her, her original name, um, but you can read. Say it again. Hadassah. The, the ladies know. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of women's services preach about Esther, right? And uh, there's a movie, if you want to watch, I think it's called One Night with the King. A Night with the King. That's the other one was weird. Never mind. A Night with the King. And uh, it's a very popular story in the Christian world. And, and um, I want to kind of tell you just a little background uh, until we get to this moment here, which I think is very special and important for us. So uh, I guess the king had another queen and she disobeyed him. Uh, she kind of did exactly what. Esther's talking about here. She presented herself in front of the king without his permission. And back then, even his wives needed permission 
to present themselves before the king. And if they presented themselves before the king without permission, the law that they had here in Persia was death. Okay? Not fun. So they couldn't go before the king without permission. It wasn't like, hey, come one, come all, um, even for his wives. And so she comes, I think her name was Vashti. She comes and she presents herself before the king. And unfortunately, because she didn't have permission, she is put to death. So then the king has no, like, main wife. He has plenty of wives, but like, the main one. Is gone. Okay, it's kind of weird. Uh, we don't do it like that anymore. Just to clear it up, guys. All right. <clears throat> so yeah. So um, he uh, he goes on a search to find a, a queen, and in that time, the Israelites were in this empire called Persia. You guys ever seen the movie Three Hundred? Amen. All right. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the kind of the same era that this is taking place in is the king of Persia and he's looking for a queen and so Mordecai he's uh he's a Jew scribe he keeps the records and the history for the Israelites and also for Persia and uh Mordecai suggests to Hadassah Hadassah to change her name and to present herself to be one of the women that can become a queen in Persia now this is let me tell you a very long shot Okay, this is like, go see if you could maybe win the lottery and get us out of this mess that we're in. It was a long shot because there is thousands of women that appear before the king and before the servants of the king so that he can choose a queen. Amen. And so she presents herself, changes her name to Esther, and apparently she wins. Just to be short, okay, she wins. (laughs) She gets the position of queen. Now, in the middle of all this, there's all this drama happening because there's this man, Haman, who hates the Jews. He wants the Jews to be eradicated and to be killed and destroyed. This is his mission in life. Does that sound familiar to anyone? There is an enemy whose mission in life is to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his only objective. That is the objective of the enemy. The same with Haman. Haman's objective was to destroy the Israelites. He had a spirit on him that wanted to eradicate and create a a holocaust of the Jews. He wanted to get rid of them. But while the enemy is concocting this plan, so is God. God is putting a plan together. A lot of times in our life, we have really two views in our life. We can notice the enemy's plans or we can decide to have faith in what God is doing and and what he can do through us. Amen. We really have that choice in life. I don't know about you, but sometimes we get caught up in the negativity and in, the, in what the enemy is doing and, and the symptoms we might feel or the fears we might notice or the doubts we may have. And that becomes a reality for us when in turn there's a, a, another reality that's happening at the same time, way more powerful, way better, that exceeds our imagination, that's way greater than what the enemy is doing. Doesn't the Bible say that he who is in us is greater? 
greater than he who is in the world. There's, a, there's someone in the world, the enemy, planning stuff while God is planning stuff as well. We got to understand that. We got to understand these two viewpoints because sometimes we begin to believe the negativity. We begin to believe what the enemy is trying to do while God is doing something greater. In the meantime, God's plan is still going to go forth and it's still going to become true and a reality. But we have the choice to live a life of joy and trust God or to be worried about what the enemy is doing. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you, look, it's okay to say that you have fear sometimes to God. It's okay. It's okay to say to God, I'm doubtful about this. It's okay to be honest and genuine with God. It's better to be honest than to fake it or to run away from God. It's never good to turn away from the one that can uplift you. My words Me as a man, as as a human being, my words cannot uplift you, but the word of God can and his word in your heart can. It's okay to go to God and say, Lord, in this area of my life, I check this out. In this area of my life, this is hard because we're not taught this ever. I, I just I don't believe you. And, and that may seem, it may seem weird because we, we want to trust God, amen? I'm raising my hand, I hope, yeah, there you go, there you go. We want to trust God. I want to trust God fully. But there are times in our life, there's moments in life where we're scared and we don't trust all the way. And what we do in that moment is very crucial. What we do in that moment is very important. We can go, you know, the last thing that we do, I say this often, but the last thing that we do is pray. First we worry, first we talk about it, first we go into doubt and fear, and the last thing we do, okay, I better pray about this because this doesn't feel good anymore. Amen? Am I the only one? That's the last thing we think of sometimes. Why? Because we don't think that we can be honest with God. We don't think that in the moment where we feel the worst, where we feel the doubt, where we feel the pain and the fear, we don't think that we can go to him. Because we think that he's going to turn us away because we, we say so cliche like, like me sometimes, you can't please God without faith. So we're like, there's definitely no way that I'm going to God. But see, the thing is that all of you believe in God. Amen. We all have a sense that God exists in our life, that he's a reality in our life. Without that kind of faith, you can't please God. Hello? But there are times in life, like David had, he's such a good example, but there are times in lives where you're just like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I believe. I don't know. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to believe you in this area of my life that I have been battling with for years. It can't be the same battle year after year. We have to overcome. 
Because we have God, the creator of heaven and earth, that will help us to overcome. We have to believe that, but it's okay in that moment to say, Lord, help me trust you. Be honest with him. Help me to get rid of this doubt, Lord. Help me be a believer in you and what all that you can do. So Esther's in this predicament because now Haman wants to eradicate. He wants to not just steal. He wants to kill and destroy the people, the Jews. And all the Jews react one way. Every single one of them, except Esther, who's in the palace. (laughs) She's safe. but She doesn't react that way. She does get frightened, but the Jews, all of them, they get ash. They put ash on their faces. They get dressed in this thing called sackcloth, which is like a potato sack, because they're just like mourning and, oh, woe is me. And they start to fast and they start to not even drink water. Like they just go all the way down. And I believe sometimes we have that kind of reaction. We have that reaction sometimes when we get bad news. We get the bad report. We get the bad news according to this world. We get those bad, you know, situations. And immediately we go to put ashes on our faith. We go to dress in sackcloth, and God has called us to be like that. He says, I, I've traded ashes, i traded sorrow for joy for you. That you would have joy in the middle of pain, in the middle of the drama, in the middle of the bad news, so-called. That you would have joy, peace, and righteousness in the middle of all of that. But the Jews react. Haman makes them react in this case. He almost has them. At least their mind. And Mordecai being one of the leaders, the uncle of Esther, because Esther has lost her parents. Esther is, is with Mordecai now. And Mordecai is the number one guy. He puts ashes on his face. He goes, he goes to the gate of the palace because he can't go into the palace because the same law applies to him. If he shows up without unannounced and without being invited, he might die as well. So he shows up to the gate, to the, to the very point where he can go. And he says, Lord, like, what are you going to do? I don't know. Like, I've had those moments. I've had those moments where I think this is it. That's this is all we have. <laughs> we were uh, we went to uh, the ninety nine cent store yesterday. Yep, we go there. That's right. It's very inexpensive and uh, some good things over there. And this guy came, <clears throat> Hispanic, well Mexican to be exact. Amen, Mexicans, yeah, all right. So he comes in, and he's like, hey, let me, uh, let me clean your lights, because my lights on the car have, like, this little thing that gets all foggy or whatever. Let me clean it. He's, like, cleaning it with this little thing. I don't even know. It's, like, this magic water he has. I'm like, whoa, that looks pretty good, actually. He's like, and I was like, what do you got there? He's like, no, it's just water. I was like, all right. He's like, let me do it for you, like, Give me just like 10 bucks and I'll do it for you. No, I'm okay. Like, I don't have cash. You know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. He like persisted. 
I mean, he didn't give up. No, no, no. Watch, watch. He did it again on the other light. He's like, see, I did that little piece right there. I could do the whole thing for you. Just, you know, give me a few bucks or whatever. And like, no, I'm okay. No, come on, please. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, fine. Like, I don't have a choice, like it seems like, you know. <laughs> so, so yeah, we went to, to the store and and we bought him a Gatorade because it was hot. Isn't it been hot lately? It was so hot yesterday, and he's out there. He has, like, a long sleeve shirt. He looks like he's a homeless, you know. He looks homeless. He, he, it looks like he hasn't changed in a few, like, months, and, and he, but he's working hard. Amen? And, and that really touched my heart. So uh, Cynthia was like, let's buy him a Gatorade, and, and we bought him a Gatorade. And then uh, <clears throat> they don't give cash back at the 99-cent store, guys, so just so you know. So I couldn't get the money, and um, we went to somewhere else, and I bought a water. And anyway, we gave it to him, and we, we just started talking with him. And he just started telling me everything, like his whole life story. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how God has called us for such a time as this. I'm going to get to why this, this story matters, but... I just started like talking with him and he started telling me his story about how he was married in Mexico and his wife left him for another guy that had more money. And and then they broke up and he was like kind of glad they did. And he hates her and like all this stuff. And I and I he's like, you know, why do why are people like that? Do you know why are people so bad? And I'm like. Wow, that's a tough question. Like, you know, that's a pretty deep question, like for just hanging out at the 99 cent store. <clears throat> so I said, uh, I told him, you know, um, without God in our hearts, without his love in our hearts, it's tough to be good. We can attempt to be good for, for a while, but we need Jesus in our hearts. He's like, why are you very smart, huh? Like he said, he said, he used the word smart you know, you're very smart. And I was just like, well, you know, like, it's just God. And he's like, let's get out of the sun. Let's go over here in the shade. And we sat down on the floor there as I'm just sitting with him on the floor. And we're just talking. And Cynthia's on the phone because she's trying to she's trying to call a shelter, you know, around where we were at in Norwalk. Um, and most shelters, just so you know, they, they don't take people in just like for two, three days or overnight. It's usually like a program you have to be in for like six months and blah, blah, blah. So we couldn't get him a place. Um, so we, I talked with him for like a good five minutes and he was just telling me so much. And then at the end, Cynthia was like, let us pray for you. And at first when we told him, let us pray for you, he's like, why? Like, what did I, like, what did I do? Like, did I do something? And he kind of, like, backed up. I don't know if you noticed. And we kept, like, going like this. Like, no, like, you know, we care for you. And he's just like, yeah, okay. And he kept, back, he kept backing up. Like, I guess it's kind of weird when someone asks you, can I pray for you? Maybe you think, like, am I, did I do something wrong? And Cynthia's like, no, we just want to bless your life. And he's like, all right, cool. So he closed his eyes, and we blessed his life. And, and he went on, and, and he seemed just happy. He got my phone number and everything. And sometimes, you know, in life, if we don't understand our position, we won't have those opportunities. That's why, like, the job of the enemy is to distract you. He can't take your life. He can't take anything from you, your salvation. But his job is to distract you. This is what he was doing here with the Israelites. He was distracting them. 
He completely destroyed their morale, their spirit. He completely brought them down to a point where they, they were very fearful and they needed help. And I want to tell you that when you feel like that, God always has a plan for you and for me. Because this message is as much for me as it is for you. God always has a plan. He, his plan is always working, and we have to trust that. But sometimes because we don't see the plan completely, like we don't see what's going on in the spirit necessarily, like with our eyes, we don't see it, and so it's hard to trust that. But the enemy, he'll come, and he'll put things in your face. He'll come and put doubts. He'll come and put things right in your eyes, right, so you can see it, in your ears so you can hear it. In the meantime, you have to just trust God that he is there, that he has a plan for you that everything's going to work out. See, in this moment, the Israelites were facing death. All of them were facing death, eradication. The king said, yeah, go ahead. Whoever doesn't abide by my laws, because he told them the Jews have different laws, and they don't accept your law, so you should get rid of them. You should kill them because they don't abide by your law. So the Jews have their law, and so all of them were, do- were gone, were dead, according to the law. The, the, the king put his ring on there. He gave it the seal of approval, and the Jews were gone, according to the enemy. But God always has a plan. God always has, a, it may seem like a backup plan, but it's not. It's the first plan. There's no backup plans with God. There's only one plan, and that is to prosper you, to bless you, to give you health, to give you victory. That is his plan for your life. And we have to trust that. We have to believe that. But in those moments where you're like, Lord, I don't know. I don't know how to trust you. I don't know how to believe you in this area of my life. Be honest with him and genuine with him, and he'll help you. He'll show you the way. Amen? So here, here they are. Mordecai is at the gate. He's at the place where, you know, he can go as far as he can go. Let me tell you something about sorrow and pain and doubt and fear. It are, it'll only take you so far. It won't take you where it need, needs to, like, it won't take you where you need to be or where you need to go. It'll only take you so far, and it's always the wrong path, and it's always false. It's always a lie. Can I, can I be real with you today? Yeah. Amen? Have anyone of you ever had fear? Raise your hand. You might be going through something right now. I, I have had fears in my life of my health, like a lot. And sometimes I've been at the hospital with whatever pain or whatever something and I've been in the hospital, in the bed, and God has spoken to me there. And he has told me there, you don't belong here right now. You shouldn't be here right now. But see, I want you to, like, I want you to sort of put yourself, because I know you've been there in other areas perhaps, but just put yourself in my shoes for just a moment in my mindset. In my mindset at that moment, I felt stuff I maybe even felt like I deserved stuff and I accepted stuff which is the worst once you accept the lie it becomes reality in your life that's why we can't accept the lie 
We have to resist. The Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee. Resist the devil and he will flee. Amen. I've been in that bed and God has said, you shouldn't be here right now. It's hard sometimes to fully trust God in those areas. You may have your own area. Amen. That you battle with. You may have your own area. It might be confidence, self-confidence, self-esteem. You battle with that. You, ba- you may battle with fear of death. You may battle with uh, different kind of things that you may battle with, that you've been battling for so long. You may battle with addictions. You may battle with pornography addiction. You may battle with different kind of things that you want help in. But what happens is that we believe the lies first, and that becomes our reality. Perception is reality sometimes for us. What we perceive can be real. You know how sometimes you'll, you'll walk into church and somebody's really busy, but you don't know it. And they walk right by you and you're like, that person didn't say hi to me. They hate me. They totally dislike me. Why did Cynthia not speak to me today? And you might go home like, did I do something wrong? Am I, am I, it's everywhere I go, like, and you just create this whole world in your head. While the other person might have been just like, I have to go pee. Like, I really have to go pee really fast. I'm sorry I couldn't say hi to you. Amen? But, but our perception can be reality sometimes. And it shouldn't be that way. Because it's not with our eyes, our human eyes, but with, with faith. Amen? With believing how good God is. Don't we sing songs here, how God is good? And we're like, yes, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Amen? And you're like, woo, I love this song. But on Wednesday or Tuesday, when things are going iffy in life, that's when, Lord, you are good. That's when it counts. That's when it matters. Amen? Amen? That's when it counts. That's when I want it to count for my life. Carlos was preaching about promises on Friday. And I was like, man, he's like, you just got to, this whole believing thing, it really matters in the Christian life. (laughs) That was a joke, guys. This whole faith thing, it seems like an important deal for God. It's like, trust daddy. That he has everything in his hands. That, that he loves you. That every good intention is for you. That, that he has a plan for you. That, that you're powerful. That you, you are more than enough. That, you, that you're worthy. That, that you're everything to him. That you're the apple of his eye. That, that you should be confident in him. Because that's, that's dad. He's on your side. Oh, he's on my side. I don't know about you, but he's on my side. He's on your side? All right. That's it. But the Israelites in this moment... Ah, it says Mordecai ripped his clothes. Lord, you've abandoned us. Man, that moment, I know that moment. I know that moment. I've lived that moment. Amen? I've lived that moment. I've been in that moment when, Lord, where are you? And that may seem funny right now. But when you're going through that moment, it's not really funny. When you feel just, what happened? What happened, God? I thought, 
I thought you, I thought a lot of things. But right now, I don't, I don't think any of those things. But God is there. Are you listening? God is there in that moment. He's there with you, with us. He's there with us. Man, he has an awesome plan for our lives. We have to believe it. You know, a lot of us that grew up in church, like, man, our minds are just whacked. Sometimes, sometimes. We just, we've been told so many wrong things that, man, we have to change we have to change the mind of the mind that they changed to change it back to the mind that we should have. But with God, he's going to do it. He's doing it in our life. Amen. Esther tells her servant, his name is Hadak, Hadak, whatever. And gives and tells him to, to tell Mordecai, her uncle, tell him the law. Tell him there's no way possible. So he goes and he tells Mordecai, hey, listen, Esther, she's like not down to help, basically. She's scared. And then Mordecai's like, tell her, you know, that she's in there for a reason and this and that. So he goes over there. You know what's interesting here? No one talks about the messenger. He knew. He he knew he knew that Esther was a joke. Nobody's supposed to know that. But the messenger knew. The messenger has power there. Because he could tell Mordecai, yeah, she's gonna do it. She says she's she's gonna do it. But he could, he could have lied, but the messenger told the truth. See, the message that you hear is important. The message that you hear is important. It's important the messages that you're hearing is important. The messages that are from God, that are from his spirit to uplift you, they're important. The other ones are not. Anything against and opposite of God is not important. And we cannot hear it. And we have to have deaf ears to those words. But the message that God has for us, that's important. And the messenger has the power to change the message here, but he tells the truth. He, see, he, he, he conveys the message of Mordecai's fear and conveys the message of Esther's lack of faith. See, Mordecai has a, a little bit of faith, but he's, he's defeated. And Esther has no faith, but she feels safe. She's in the palace. But the messenger is conveying each person's heart. See, last, uh, yesterday when we talked to that man and we felt compassion for him, it was because of the messenger that was between us. The messenger that, that brought him to approach us and the messenger that, that brought compassion towards that person from us was the Holy Spirit. That's the messenger that we need to be listening to. We need to have relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we need to know this messenger had the power to change the message to each person. But he tells the truth and he comes to, to Mordecai and says, 
All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law put all to death, except the one that he holds the golden scepter to. Except that one. He conveys the message. But at the same time, there's honesty in both Mordecai and Esther. Mordecai has fear. Mordecai feels like what's going to happen. He has ash on his face, sackcloth. He's wearing it. So he feels that right now, but he's conveying that truth. And Esther, she's like, I don't think it's possible for me to go before the king. Because if I go before the king, I'm going to die. They're being honest with the messenger. We have to just be honest with him. Hey, I'm scared. I have fear, Lord. And I know fear is not good. And perfect love casts out all fear. And I know those verses, Lord. But right now, I need you to help me. Amen. I need you, Lord. But I love Mordecai's response, right? And that's something that we should live by. That's something that I'll leave you with today. Verse 14. For if you remain completely silent at this time, see, silence, not good. Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Mordecai is believing, but you and your father's house will perish. Not all the way. (laughs) Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. That's a word for you and I. You have come to the kingdom, brothers and sisters, for such a time as this. It's okay to have fear and doubt once in a while and be honest with God and let him teach you and move forward because you've been called for such a time as this. You've been called for the moments that God has called you for those moments for today, for this season, for this time in your history. What you're building with God right now is so important. The, the reactions that you're having, the, the seeds that you're sowing today, you will reap harvest for tomorrow. And that harvest will be more than abundant because God will multiply your harvest. But you have to, and, and, and you have to be purposeful in sowing those seeds today. We can't expect harvest without seed. Amen? So you've been called for such a time as this, he tells her. Look at the plan. Now I feel that Mordecai is starting to see. Because if you read before, he didn't have that mindset yet. But right now he's starting to see that, yes, the enemy has a plan. And yes, the enemy has a plan to kill us and to destroy us. And he's in the the king's ear and he's telling him this plan and, and he's being sneaky and manipulative. But God has always had a plan. From before Esther was born or before Hadassah was born, God knew that she would be placed in that moment, in that exact precise moment to help his people. Because God had a plan and he always has a plan. There's always a strategy with God. He's never going to leave you and leave you to figure things out on your own. God has a plan in your life, and he's called you now today for such a time as this. 
But if we don't open our mouth, if we're not honest, if we're not genuine, God's work will still continue. But he wants to use us. Amen? He wants to use you and I. He wants to use us today. He wants us to serve him, to love others. I invite you to the evangelism. October 31st, come. We're going to go out. We're going we're gonna to start this. We have to do this as a church. We can't go any longer not doing that. We have to do this. We have to go out and spread what God is doing in here. It's okay that you don't know what to do and you don't have the words. Just come and learn with us. Amen? Learn with us and just partner up with someone that knows. And we're just going to go out and bless people. We're going to go out and say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? You, do you need prayer for anything? We're here to just bless people today. And you're going to pray for people. You're going to bless people. And then they're gonna, their hearts are going to open. And you're going to say, hey, do you know Jesus? Jesus loves you. That's why we're out here praying for you. We're out here blessing people. That's what God has called us for, for such a time as this, so that we can open our mouth. That's what Mordecai told Esther. Esther, just open your mouth. Just open your mouth because you might save an entire nation. And most of you know the story. She goes before the king. And in the movie, it's all dramatic. Some guy pulls out a sword, right? Cut her head off right now in front of everyone. And he, the king, pulls out his scepter. And protects her. Look, Jesus said it like this. He said, you'll be able to drink poison and it will not harm you. You will have authority over snakes and demons and, and, and all sorts of powers from the enemy. You will have authority over those things. And when it seems like you're in the face of death, like Esther was, he will protect you. The king of kings, the Lord of lords will protect you. So there's no, there's no fear in taking a risk and opening our mouth. Even telling him our doubts, our fears, and then going out. Sometimes we think, man, I need to be really good so that I can tell others about Jesus, because if I'm not like all the way good, if I'm not perfect living, if my faith isn't like, how am I going to No, it's not about it's not about you. First of all, it's not about us. It's not about how good we feel. It's about how good he is and how how much faith we have in him. And that's it only takes a, a mustard seed of faith. Amen. Trust me, any time that I haven't felt, you know, like all the way good and I've prayed for someone and even preached i've i I feel better after (laughs) amen because it's it's a selfless act and and i take myself out of the equation like i take me out of the center so the jews are saved because esther opens her mouth And the words of Mordecai ring in my spirit. They have been ringing for like months. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling us, you know, you've been called to this kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. 
for such a time as this right now. And that might be different for each of us because we're doing different things. We're different people. We're individuals. But we've been called for such a time as this. So open your mouth. So if, if you have fear, if you have doubt, if you have things that you're dealing with, open your mouth. Say, Lord, I, I want to trust you in this area of my life. I've been doubting you, but I know you're real, God. I know you're real. So we can do that, amen?